Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for my Christmas decorations. As of this recording, I am 178 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Savannah. Hello, Steve, and congratulations on your day count, and I'm happy to be here. I'm very glad to have you. And I've gotten the pleasure to get to know you quite well over the past 178 days or so. But for our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself with a little bit of like, who who are you? Okay. Um, My name is Savannah, and I have 328 days of sobriety today, I do believe. Yay. Um, I am in Ohio. I'm a mail carrier and currently a student and a recent college graduate as well. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm married. Um, I have a wife and four kids and three dogs and a cat. Oh, excellent. And can you tell us a little bit about what your journey with your alcohol and addiction was like? Um, yeah, it was very rocky. And the more that I begin to look back on it now as I'm sober, it was very dangerous. Um, As a woman, being in the circles that I hung out in, I guess I always had this false sense of safety, I guess. But um, there were many a times due to my alcohol and my drug use that I woke up in some pretty strange situations or found myself in places that I should not have been and put myself in places that I should not have been in um, just because I was either trying to continue to keep drinking or I wanted to get high. Um, I had my self-worth was really low. I didn't think I could accomplish things that I could accomplish. And that's one of the reasons why it took me till now to start nursing school because I honestly didn't think I was smart enough, but here we are. Yeah. (laughs) I survived. I mean, very lucky and very blessed. I watch a lot of true crime. Mm. So I always see these women that are murdered that do less, you know, not even, they're not even alcoholics. They just go out for a girl's night and they never make it home. So the fact that, I was in the situations that I was in and I always somehow made it home. I am very, very blessed to say the very least. So, 
Yeah, I understand. Even for me, just my, my thing that always put my life at risk was when I was like drinking and driving. And the number of times I was able to survive through that. Um, I can only imagine what it would be like, you know, being a, a woman out because I know how vulnerable and scary that can be. Yes. Um, I, I was a DJ. I still am a DJ, but um, I hung out with a lot of guys, you know, so I was always in a lot of situations where I was the only female, you know, and there's one particular situation I woke up and uh, this guy was getting ready to you know, mm-hmm. do whatever he was going to do. And I woke up and I was like, whoa. And I, you know, got out of there. But, but you would think that I would have learned my lesson at that point, but no, I did not. Yeah. And how did you find your way into uh, sobriety? I found my way into sobriety. I'll be honest with you. Um, years ago, I thought I was an alcoholic. I thought my drinking was alcoholic, you know, drinking, but through counseling and people around me, I was basically talked out of it. You know, I was told I was just drinking to cope or I was maybe I needed to not drink as much liquor or drink beer, or maybe on the days that I knew I was going to drink, I shouldn't take my meds, you know? So I tried all these things other than going to AA and, um, I just finally had enough. I was sick of waking up and having my wife mad at me for one and not remembering what it is that I had done. Um, the thing that that was my bottom that brought me to where I ended up at AA the next day, I basically ruined Christmas. Um, I had never had a situation where I was so drunk around my kids to where I remembered nothing. I had never been blackout drunk around my kids. And the day that that evening that I was blackout drunk with my kids and didn't remember anything and was afraid to know what I had done the night before that morning, I had gotten up and got onto my laptop. And the first meeting that I found was a nine o'clock meeting and I logged in and I've been here ever since. Well, I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> now, if you could take a moment to imagine that you came face to face with your past self when they were in their active addiction, what's one message or thing you would want to tell yourself back then? I would say, girl, you are better than this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are better than this. Um, I think that because of some trauma that I had gone through as well, um, I think if I would have gotten some help with that a lot sooner than I did because I was really angry for a long time um, at some things that had happened to me. And instead of getting help, I acted out a lot. And so even when I had gotten help for that um, and my drinking, I thought was under control. Once my drinking had picked back up, I should have known at that point that there was something more than just um, the trauma, you know, which I didn't know until I got into the program. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times we don't realize that we are alcoholics until we go, until we go to our first meeting, Mm -hmm. because we have this preconceived notion of what alcoholism looks like, you know, and it doesn't look like me, you know, I'm sure you certainly didn't think that it looks like you, you know, Um, unless you are 
so bad to where you're living on the streets or you're like the people on intervention who are drinking mouthwash, you don't think you have a problem. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you that it's, you know, um, successful people or, you know, maybe it's the, the little things that you're doing. You think you have it all together, but you don't mm-hmm. because you don't look like an alcoholic, you know? So, but I'm glad that I went to the rooms because it let me know that alcoholic, there's many faces of alcoholism. Yes, there is. It's interesting. You bring that up just the other day, I was talking with a coworker who's not in the, the rooms, but, um, doesn't really drink much. And she just like asked out of curiosity. She's like, what, like what types of careers, like, do you see with people like in your meetings and stuff? And I was like, all types, but like typically like higher level ones than you would think for like what I can see, like, like what my preconceived like ideas of people in the rooms were like, I I was very similar where I was like, well, if I'm not like homeless on the street, like offering like blowjobs for like fits, you know, of vodka, like I can't (laughs) be an alcoholic. And I was like, no, like we're, you know, professionals like in you know throughout various different industries and you know alcoholism has many different faces but think about it though think about how many times that you've used your body though for alcohol you know just because you're not prostituting because you can't pay for it think of how many times that you've put yourself in a sexual situation because that person was buying you drinks too many (laughs) or whatever you know so like I guess it all kind of correlates together, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. When um, the first meeting that I, the room that I got sober in, I was the youngest, one of the youngest people there. There weren't a lot of young people in that meeting. And there were a lot of people that had a lot of time in that meeting, like 20 some 30, 15 years. I think um, the person with the least amount of years in, in that room was like nine years, you know? And so it was good at first because I needed that like mothering because the women, it was one of the meetings where, you know, the men stick with the men and the women stick with the women, you know, (laughs) which was fine because like all those women, they were moms and they knew it. They were in active addiction at the same age that I was at. Um, So that helped me a lot. But then there came a point in time where I felt like they just weren't relating to me. You know, um, it was a, it wasn't an LGBT room, even though they never made me feel unwelcome because I was gay. I talked about my wife, like the first day I was there. Um, So they never made me feel that way. But there's something about being in an LGBTQ room. That's a little bit different, Mm -hmm. you know, because Um, And I'm a, and I'm a black woman as well. So put that on top of there, you know? Um, And that's another thing, you know, I was really nervous when I first came to AA because I thought I was going to go to this room. And at some point they were going to say something about black lives matter. They were going to say something, you know, that was LGBTQ or whatever, you know, but then like going and knowing that it was all about the program, yeah. no matter, you know, no outside no political anything. It's all about the program. Of course, you always get that one random person that has to whatever. That's mm-hmm. wherever you go. But, um, you know, I felt like I wasn't growing in my program at that point, which is when I found 
you know, the mustard seed, the meeting that I met you at. And it was like, I went from having this four or five people of sober support to this entire community yeah. of support. And it's been amazing. Like I, I couldn't, I would have never thought that I'd have so much support from like all over, you know, we're all in different places, but at the drop of a dime, we can always, we can, we're all right there. You know, we can all call each other and communicate and connect. And it's been pretty amazing. It definitely at that point kicked my, my program back into high gear. And it actually helped it because at that point, I think meetings here were still closed, but then with my work schedule, with whatnot, I haven't really, I hadn't been able to give service to give back, which is really important. So, you know, once I found the mustard seed, the meeting that we go to, and I was able to to greet, and then I was able to co-host, and then I'm able to host, you know, it's like there's all these things that I'm able to do that people talked about doing service, you know, other, and not saying that reading, um, how it works isn't a good way to do service because it is, but there's something different that comes with hosting a meeting or um, being a greeter. Cause a lot of meetings don't have a, a specific greeter, you know, a lot of meeting people just kind of come in and they're just kind of there, you know? So there's all these different aspects of the program that they talk about in the big book that I wasn't able to experience until I, um, you know, came to the meeting that you and I go together and it's been a really great experience. I'm very thankful for it. It definitely got me to where I needed to be, to be at almost a year. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of LGBT rooms and also just like sexuality before sobriety, um, how do you feel your sexuality played a role in your addiction and your recovery? Um, it played a huge role because I wasn't out. Mm-hmm. I was not out for a long time. Um, when I turned 18 back in 97, coming out wasn't a thing. You know, um, a lot of people were still in the closet and I grew up in a very religious household and I was terrified, you know? So um, when I, I went to go work at an amusement park over the summer after I graduated. So, I mean, I was at the gay bar. I was just like out here coming into my own. And then when I moved back home, I was on campus So I was like living, I was very much in the closet. Like people knew, but like my family didn't know. It was like, I was like a hundred percent leading a double, double life. And I would end up acting out using, you know, drugs and alcohol to just kind of escape because I felt like I couldn't be myself. And then when my friend had outed me to my mom and I scared, I basically latched onto the first guy that I could and ended up in a hetero relationship and used heavily the whole time I was in that relationship and then um, ended up in another hetero relationship and I got married and um, my my kid's dad at that time you know he liked to have a good time as well so we drank and he knew that I you know the lifestyle that I wanted and he was very accommodating to that but because I wasn't happy with myself, there was nothing he was ever going to do that was going to um, make me happy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Him and I are really great friends now. Like, I love him to death. He's been a great, you know, partner with my kids and stuff like that. But, like, I 
just was not happy. So that fueled the drugs and the alcohol and the, everything else that came with that. And so, you know, fast forward to, I finally came out, met my wife and like, I'm living the life, you know, the, here's, here's all the things that I thought I wanted. Now that anger was gone. The violence was gone. The drug use was gone, but the drinking was still there. You know, so now I was drinking because I wanted to celebrate. I was drinking because um, we had an argument. I was drinking because it was Tuesday, you know, and uh, I would like to say that my drinking calmed down once I met my wife, once I was out, but it didn't. However, um, all those other things were at bay, which I guess was good, but it's like now that. Um, I'm not drinking. It has definitely improved our relationship, you know. Um, blending a family together, moving in together, planning a wedding was very stressful. And um, adding alcohol on top of that just makes it even more. And then with all the unrest that came with last summer, there was a lot of protesting, a lot of drinking, a lot of all the things, like everything was just kind of out of control, you know, in my life. And I still have those things. I mean, we still have, we're still raising a family. We still have disagreements. The world is still not right, but I know I don't have to drink over it. You know, I sit on several committees to help with things like that. So therefore, um, I don't have to drink about my problems. I can take action and be involved, you know, in the problem to help. That's great. <laughs> and so you've already listed a few of them, but what would you say some of the, the most positive changes in your life have been now that you're sober? Um, I, I know I'm a better employee. I know that mm-hmm. very much so because um, being at the post office, well, any job that I was at, um, going into work hungover, um, not being the best employee, half-assing it at my job, calling off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely feel like I'm a better employee. Um, I know I'm a better mom to my kids' dismay because I'm like captain on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I noticed you posted this. What are you doing? I'm checking phones. I'm checking homework. I'm doing homework. Um, I've always volunteered, you know, to help out at the kids' school and stuff like that. But um, it's a little bit different now than, you know, before. Um, I will say at first, it's getting to be that way now. Let me None of these changes happened overnight. Let me say that. Yeah. Because when I first got sober, I was in this brain fog to where I couldn't do anything. I was just like, so like just a lump of whatever, you know? But now it took me about seven months to where I felt like I was starting to feel like a person. And I can't say feel like myself again, because I don't know what myself is. I've been drinking since I was, I've been a blackout drunk since I was 17. So all my adult life, alcohol has always been a part of it. So like, I don't know. So I guess I'm, I'm learning to be me, whatever that is. So I guess I'm discovering who I am. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. I, I, I've been doing the same thing. Cause you know, alcohol changes, 
me and it changes a lot of people when they drink it. Like, I mean, whenever, especially like after that first drink, like my husband would always be like, you're a different person. And he like, he didn't know how to explain it other than that. I think part mm-hmm. of that was like trying to like not use adjectives that would probably upset me because <laughs> it's like, you know, he didn't want to be like, well, you're an asshole, lying, manipulative, <laughs> cheating bastard. But like, he would just say like, oh, you're a different person. And so like, now I'm learning what the person without me is like, not to mention like I'm on any depressants and, you know, medications that and the doctor is like, well, now we actually get to see whether they work or not. Now that you're not yes. mixing alcohol with them constantly. Yes. I mean, and I had, um, I have was diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome a couple years ago because I had had um, three concussions in the span of like seven months. Yeah. And, you know, my I'm pretty sure my my brain was not healing the way that it should have been because I, I drank the whole time. Yeah. I remember the one night, the one particular incident when I got a concussion, I did a face plant into the concrete and I kept drinking. Like I knocked myself clear out and here I am, you know, thinking I'm just hung over the next day, throwing up all over the place. And like all those things that come with having a severe concussion. And I had a concussion. I ended up, you know, going to the hospital after the fact, but I should have, I should have gone that night, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that didn't stop me from doing what I was doing and drinking. I, I continued to do that. So I know now my brain isn't just healing from, you know, getting the alcohol out of it, but just actually healing from, the actual damage, physical damage that it had endured. Yeah. And one of those ways it seems like you're healing is your TikTok channel. Um, I love following you on TikTok. (laughs) You do just such like an amazing, like a range of different types of videos, but you do them, you know, some of them are about your sobriety journey. Um, What inspired you to create a TikTok channel? Like that would be so open. And what has that experience been like? You know, I, um, I didn't, I, okay. I, so for disclosure, I had already been on, I had already been on TikTok Mm -hmm. and I had, um, chronicled, you know, the protesting and stuff that we were doing. And then that was kind of like how I ended up posting as much because, um, so many of us that were involved, we were posting from where we were to get like what was actually happening out, you know? And so it just kind of, as I amassed followers, it kind of got into my, my schooling journey and like all this other stuff with like the post office. And so when I got sober, I was really nervous about using that platform for my sobriety. Mm-hmm. I think I had posted, I don't know how many, and I would I didn't post, I'd make it. And then I'd put it in my drafts and then I'd make it, put it in my drafts. And then I was like, Oh my God, do I talk about it? And cause at that point I really hadn't told anybody because I didn't want to be that person that went to a couple meetings and I was like, I'm sober now. And then end up drinking a month later. Cause you see it happen all the time. You know, I didn't want to be that person. So I think I had gotten my 30 day 30 or 60 day chip before I actually made a TikTok. I think it was when I got my first chip, my 30 days. I got my first chip and then I made my first TikTok about my sobriety. And there was an overwhelming support in that. And from that that point on, I just started journaling about it, you know, onto TikTok, the good days, the bad days, the milestone days, um, 
there's days where, you know, I had had been crying before I made, you know, the TikTok, but um, I just always poke, I post my down days too, you know, because there are, there are rough days. There's just days where you're just so flooded with so many things and it's like, okay, well, I'll make a TikTok about it, you know? Mm. And it's been a, a, I've, I've had nothing but positive um, reactions from anything that I've posted. No one's been like, oh, you're a drunk or, or anything like that. Um, it's been a very good and healing experience for me because there's a lot of people out there that are, that are sober. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to get sober, you know, and just like with anything else, representation is everything. And to be a young um, woman of color, mother, um, postal worker, student, that's in sobriety. Not, I didn't, I didn't crash my car. I wasn't court ordered to go. And anybody that has to do that, I'm not like how, whatever got you into the rooms, it got you to the rooms and it got you sober. So that's all that matters, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes people don't realize that you can just say, okay, I've had enough and go to AA. Yeah. Which is what I did. So I try to be a voice for that. Yeah. And it's been great. I mean, I know that with how divisive social media can be for many different topics and many different groups that the sobriety community just seems like one of the the healthiest, most like welcoming communities online that I've encountered. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And the same way that friends and family often think of me when they see Lego, um, I did now can't pass by a Starbucks without thinking of you. (laughs) Um, how, I know how has Starbucks played a role in your recovery? Dude, Starbucks has been amazing in my recovery because um, when I first got sober, I think I drank so many of those dragon fruit refreshers. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because um, a few months ago, I'm trying to think which milestone it was. I want to think maybe it was my six month milestone or something like that. I had tagged Starbucks in my post about my sobriety and they actually followed me and responded. And it's been awesome because they just did... um, you know, they do these campaigns where they have like their TikTokers, um, you know, promote and stuff like that. And they just had their 50th anniversary and I was able to be a part of that campaign. And like, it was so awesome because I mean, there's times that I wanted to drink, but I just go and I get myself a latte. And that's another thing. Um, people on TikTok have been very generous as far as like, um, you know, oh, here's a coffee, you know, good luck with your sobriety, go have a coffee on me, you know, and, and that's been pretty awesome as well. Um, but it's been great. And yes, the Lego thing, every time I see something Lego now, I think I take a picture of it and I send it to you now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I love that. Um, yeah. Lego just for me, for my sobriety, like, I mean, I, 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 like many people like drank the most at night. Like, I mean, I would day drink mm-hmm. near the end, but I mean, the nights I was just like, what do I do with all this time to like, keep my mind off of not drinking like when I wasn't in meetings. And for me, it was building Lego and yeah, yeah I'm this close to buying a Lego set. My, uh, my daughter does mm-hmm. a lot of Lego. She likes it a lot and she builds and she just got a huge set, but she likes to do her own Legos. <laughs> she wants help when she wants help. Other than that, she wants to do it herself. But um, after, you know, watching your TikToks of your mm-hmm. Lego builds, yeah, I'm like, okay, this could be fun. Maybe I should, uh, 
give it a go, but that's, I, I'm already, this Starbucks thing is already an expensive habit. I couldn't yeah. imagine having a Legos and a Starbucks habit. Yeah. Those are two pricey habits for sure. Uh, now, <laughs> what have been some of the biggest obstacles that you faced in your sobriety and how did you overcome them? I would say the biggest obstacle um, in my sobriety has been my relationship with um, my wife, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and not in a negative way, but I feel like that's the thing that impacts me the most. So I'm in nursing school. I work and I go to meetings and it even talks about this in the big book, how sometimes your family and your spouse can feel um, neglected, I guess, because you're in the beginning, you're spending all this time doing all these meetings and doing service. And, and so I would say the biggest obstacle for me has been able, being able to maintain a good balance as to where I'm doing what I need for my sobriety, but also doing what I need so that my family has what they need, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm doing all these things in order to be a better mom, to be a better wife, to be there, you know, mm -hmm. but sometimes I think it's hard to see that in the beginning because, you know, all they see is you're spending your time doing all these other things besides spending your time with them. You know, um, a couple months ago, my wife had told me like in her mind, she thought I was going to go to a couple meetings and then I was going to be cured. And then that was that, you know, I wasn't going to have to go to any meeting, any more meetings. And like, I, to be honest with you, I didn't know how it was going to work either. I didn't know that like, you know, AA was going to be this thing where I was basically committed to for the rest of my life in order to help me stay sober, which is fine. Um, one of the meetings that I had just gone to a couple weeks ago, there was a gentleman there that spoke about how in the beginning, cause he has like, I don't know, 30 some years of sobriety. And he talks about in the beginning, like how he just volunteered and he did leads and he was on the service board and he was like, he just did all the things for AA. And he said, now he doesn't do that anymore. He has his meetings, like his two or three meetings that he goes to during the week. But if he doesn't want to go to a meeting because he wants to go spend time with his wife, then, you know, he's done those years. He's put in that time. So like now his focus is back to his family because he has that foundation in AA and in the program to where, you know, he doesn't need to do leads anymore. He doesn't have to sit on any service boards, you know, um, how they talk, how they talk about in the big book, um, like passing it down, yeah, you know? And so that's basically, you know, how he worded it. He was talking about how I did, I did what I needed to do for the program. And it's like, now it's time for, you know, the next group to do those things and take those service positions in the program. So, so I would say that's, that's been my biggest obstacle, but other than that, I mean, life is life. I mean, there's always going to be, to be something. Yeah. You know, that's why they call it living life on life on life's terms. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And coming up on one year sober, what does being one year sober mean to you? It means discipline. It means integrity. 
It means having faith. It means knowing that I can do anything that I can put my mind to it. It, it makes me know that I don't need alcohol. Yeah, that's, you know, very well said. And what are some things that you do in your daily life to help yourself stay sober? Um, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know how I found the time to drink with all the stuff that I have going on between <laughs> work, school. Um, our oldest is a senior in high school this year. Um, our 14 year old has basketball and, um, drum, Our nine-year-old has drum and step team. Our daughter has art class. Like our kids are in a ton of stuff. So that keeps me busy. Um, I'm a full-time student. Uh, My meetings, I have service committee, you know, service positions um, within the program. Um, I sit on the board of Equality Toledo, as well as being on the Toledo Pride Committee. So, um, and I just connect with my fellows and try to do things with my wife. Oh, yeah. And I play soccer on Sundays now. Wow. <laughs> so, you do it all. I just keep myself, I just keep myself busy. And even during my down, my downtime, I just talk to my wife. Like sometimes we do this thing where the TVs are off and we just sit there and we just kind of talk to each other. So that's great. That's now, as re- recovering alcoholics, we really as a general group, love our steps, traditions, and sayings. What has been some of your, or what's your favorite mantra or quote to live by? My all-time favorite uh, for AA is um, the beginning of the promises. I, I love it. I say it to myself all the time. Any opportunity that I have to, to repeat that, I do. Um, and it is if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and it is, it it feels like that at first. I mean, it is painstaking, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. Anybody that, anybody that asked me about AA or about getting sober, I tell them, I was like, it was not easy. It is not easy. Even when I give my lead, it is not easy. Uh, when I got sober, it was shit. Yeah, it was shit. Stuff was many crises, all crises, all over the place. Um, things were things were terrible. You know, things began to get better. Things are getting better. Um, I know things will be better, but. Um, it was, it was hard at first. So when they say painstaking, oh, painstaking is right. But we will be amazed before we are halfway through. Yes. Amazed. I'm not even at a year. And a few months ago, I could say that I was amazed. You know, somebody once said in a meeting that, and I know I have all this, Some somebody once said in a meeting, because like, yeah. I go to these meetings with a lot of people with a lot of sobriety. So like, they say a lot of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, he said that if, if he would have had to, if he had to pick 10 things that he wanted out of AA, he would have lost mm-hmm. because he has gained so much more than he could have ever imagined, um, by getting sober in this program. Mm-hmm. And it's true. You know, you think about things that you didn't even think 
I would have, I honestly, I don't know where my school career would have been because before I got sober, I was showing up to class drunk because everything was online. Mm -hmm. And at first it would be, I would make my drink before class ended so that I had it ready to roll before class ended. And then it got to where I just started with drink. I would start drinking towards the end of class. And then it got to where I just, I just showed up drunk. Mm-hmm. Could I you imagine going through stuff. microbiology with that? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Honestly, any of the classes that I had after that, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Even even getting sober um, that spring semester when I was getting sober, I think I was taking um, statistics and um, an A&P anatomy. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to tell some of my classmates what I was going through because I had somebody helping me take notes, you know, and helping me with my study guides because I would have never made it. Yeah. I would have never made it. And I had to be honest. I had to be honest about what I was going through and not be ashamed of my situation so that I was able to say, Hey, I'm in recovery right now. I just got sober. My brain is trash. I need some help. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get that help and I, I made it through, you know, and I couldn't imagine like summer semester. I was like, cool. My, my brain had fogged up. I was good. I did really well over summer semester. And then here come microbiology. And, <laughs> and next semester I have, um, I have intro to sexual psychology um, cultural anthropology and diversity in the workplace. So these classes aren't getting any easier. No, but it's, you're doing an amazing job and I'm just so thankful to have you in my life. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Savannah. It was just a pleasure. I've been meaning to ask you for a while, but like, I, it's hard when you ask like people that like you're friends with, because it's just, I don't know. It just is, but I'm so thankful because you've been such a great person to listen to. And I'm sure so many people will find this helpful. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad you invited me. Like you've been my, um, since day one, since we started uh, going to that meeting together, I think me and you have just clicked. And when you told me you were doing the podcast, I was just like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. Because I don't think I had heard any, um, podcasts that were LGBTQ. I mean, to be honest with you, the you it, the sober casts that are out there are far and few between. Either they're either all just recordings of old leads, or I don't know. This this is the couple that I, I've come across. There could be tons out there that I just don't know about. But um, I'm so proud of you and everything that you've done with your podcast. I mean, you're kicking ass, and even in your recovery. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for for you and your sobriety as well. Thank you. Yes. Well, pr- promote yourself a bit. We mentioned your your famous TikTok channel. Well, what, what is your at and how can people find you? Um, um, on TikTok, it is at Luchi Mamas. That's at L-U-C-C-I underscore M-A-M-A-S. Um, that's where all my sobriety stuff is. Um, obviously, I am with you yeah. during the week on at the mustard seed. Me and you host a meeting together, which yes. is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, that's about it. So I just appreciate you having me here and uh, to speak on my experience, strength and hope. 
Yes, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening and tuning in. Uh, please make sure you rate and review if you found this information helpful, uh, especially on Apple Podcast reviews or the way that people can make it easier to find us. Uh, and if you're interested in sharing your story, getting involved with the show, or just saying hi, please email me at gayapodcast at gmail.com. It truly touches my heart when I get listener feedback. And make sure you follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday. And until that time, stay sober, friends.